This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Hello and welcome to the latest Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Joe Rimmer and today it's a bumper pod I'm joined by Sean Bradbury. How are we, Sean? Very well, yeah. Good weekend all round and yeah, all good. All good. A little fold in the jumper there. Yeah, well, we could talk about that. There was yeah. a little, a little so, blemish that's so hopefully tactically been know, hidden. Viewers, if you press the red button, you can get staying calm <laughs> and follow the little staying that's on. Sean's it might even be tomorrow, Sean. I think I pressed the red button myself yeah. on a Greg. So yeah, Keith McDonald, no stains on you. You're okay. no, I'm clean, man. Yeah, clean. Fresh from a lovely weekend. Had a little brekkie Saturday, then straight to the match. Yeah. Three points, can't beat it. Yeah, yeah. And Theo Squires, you okay? Yeah, all good. I'm enjoying the fact that you've actually got the mug in your hand now, and you've got the, the blood red on camera. Yeah, yeah. A little bit go. of self promotion. Product placement. Yeah, um, I suppose we're all happy men. I'll start the pod by um, giving viewers, listeners, a little bit of an insight into um, some goings-on in the office. Um, three Evertonians who won't be named, but if you listen to the Royal Blue podcast, you might be able to work it out, <laughs> decided to pile on me before, and, and the three... Uh, Kiefer, you sort of tried to help me a little bit, but but Sean and, and Theo kept their heads down. Kept no show, was but, it? Um, yeah, got battered, because I don't think there is a conspiracy against Everton, but, but I mean... <clears throat> Sean, we'll start with you because you kept your nose out before. <laughs> I, I wanted to see you wound no. up. I think you performed better in the yeah, pod when you were yeah. uh, firing your belly. Is there a big conspiracy? Um, there, there's absolutely not a big conspiracy. My, my view on the obviously the obvious incident in question and the Canate one was that it mm. that it was a second bookable offence. I think I always try and judge these things on if that was your team um, and it was down the other end. Would you be on your feet asking for it? Of course, I think every Liverpool fan would do. I I don't regard it though as. <laughs> I think it's hard to say it wasn't a game-changing incident in, in the sense that it did affect, obviously, the sequence of events that came after it. Like, you know, that happens and, you know, just butterfly effect type thing that, you know, Liverpool aren't then getting a penalty seven or eight minutes later or whatever it was. But I think if you just look at the game as a whole, the, the game plan that Everton came with, the game plan they were reduced to by that stage, given they only had 10 men, and the fact that, I mean, apart from that carbon living header early on, I don't think there was anything of no grin, was there? Was, there was nothing that was troubling or was worrying. Was it Garner at the absolutely mental volley? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that was, yeah to be <laughs> fair. Yeah, if that had gone in, you know, fair play. But, but yeah, I, I just don't think there was, there was much from them at that point. I think if Liverpool had had what would have panned out to be half an hour, 10 versus 10, they would, they would have found a way, would, would be my view on it. And I think I've seen a fair few Blues kind of bemoan the decision, which is understandable, but kind of say, in the grand scheme of things, you can't really argue with, with how it all transpired. And I, I do think not to be kind of too tinted the other way. I think if you're going to focus on one incident, there's quite a few incidents you could choose to focus on in that yeah. game. You know, I, one thing I, that I think has been kind of swept by a little bit is that it's the Diaz pen shout when um, was it Patterson? Yeah. Kind of, I, I think he caught yeah. him. I think there was a little yeah. bit of contact. Totally fair enough for the ref to go, I don't think that is enough contact. But I think that's one that if it went the other way and the ref gave it, the AR wouldn't have, have like ungiven it. Um, and I think there's, you know, Tarkowski's another one. You know, could he be, could he have been booked for was a jot on the edge of the area? There was, there was, there was a, a foul that if he'd been on the yellow, then then there would have been a second yellow. So, I think if you if you go too big on one incident, which is obviously a subjective one, I think you know on another day that could have just not been a yellow. Um, for well, as it was for Kanate, you know, he could have gone either way, and it's it's tried to see some con- comparisons to what happened to Liverpool against Spurs, which is just spurious, isn't it? You know, it's it's a it's a small incident in a game. It's not a legitimate goal that was that was awarded, and then a miscommunication and. Deliberate, you know, choice of action meant that that didn't happen. You know, it sounds like I'm not over that. Which which way will be true? But yeah, I just think that that was the wrong call, but not the defining call. Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, Kiefer, that we both 
supporters of Liverpool and on the Bluebird podcast. We don't go big on instance. We don't talk instance. I don't think we talk. <laughs> not that's, not that's not. Yeah, it's not. Not what we do. But um, <clears throat> can I say? Yeah, I think we'd all probably agree it was a, a sending off, um, or should have been a sending off. Um, but aside from that, I mean, it, it, the game kind of followed the pattern that I think we all. I mean, you did the pod didn't you Friday. We all sort mm. of thought like it would follow that same pattern, the sort of bit of a slog, dice yeah. speaking it. Quite difficult for Liverpool, Everton sitting in. I mean, the last three derbies have finished 2 0 Liverpool, and all have been late, fairly late goals, haven't they, from what I can remember? So, did, did it follow the same pattern that you thought? Did, did you ever worry that Liverpool perhaps wouldn't find, find the goal? No, because, it, as you say, it's exactly what I think people expected. And it, it's quite weird, isn't it? Because I speak to a few of my mates who are City fans on Friday, and they were saying, you know, like 3 or 4 0 Liverpool, and I was just like, it's just not the case. No. I think people. It's, a, it, it's so cliche, isn't it? With Derby's form goes out the window, it doesn't matter where you are in the league and, and kind of what quality you've got in the ranks. It, it kind of it is probably decided on moments, and when we kind of saw that on, on Saturday, certainly uh, the two big ones, obviously Canarte, and then later the, the, the penalty that, that Diaz wins, and obviously Salah after that, Everton were never getting back in the game, were they? Um, but yeah, as you say, the, the one last season was similar, it was quite a cagey affair, and I think. I think Everton hit the post in the one last season, and then Liverpool yeah. at the other end, and, and Nunes and Salah kind of combined. So, I mean, the, the the impressive thing about Saturday was that I was saying to Theo earlier, and I think Sean as well, that I um, there, there was never any sense of kind of trepidation where like you thought Liverpool were gonna it was gonna get to the stage where you were having like someone like a Lovren lashing it from like forty yards out like he did Wembley all those years ago. There was such an element of control, and I think we've seen that this season throughout. In you know you, you know you think the the game against Newcastle at the end of August where. You know, things weren't going Liverpool's way. They were, they were one 0 down, down to ten men, whatever. And they they just keep playing the same way, sticking to their principles. You know, recycling possession, sticking to their guns, and and ultimately it pays off. It's the same at Spurs. They were probably a bit too gutsy that day. You probably, in hindsight, I think there was a Robertson late free kick, which kind of leads to the goal. You're probably thinking just take a point, but you know these lads who have you know a lot of the, the team. I know there's been changes in in recent weeks and months with you know players leaving and new players coming in, but. You know, this is a group of players who've, who've won all the major runners and you know they're not used to disappointment so you know that that was probably their downfall then but against against Everton on Saturday I was just really impressed with how they kept going recycled it and ultimately it paid off and yeah they were probably a bit fortunate the way they you know they opened the scoring but as I say after that Everton didn't even before that apart from the header after what 30-40 seconds they didn't really land a glove on Liverpool didn't fall and it was it was just one of those you, you just were so desperate for them to, to kind of Get the payoff that they deserve, and, and I think you know sooner was a. I don't think anyone could complain. I know everyone will probably look at the Canati incident and and maybe try to hang it on that. Of and I'm, and we've seen Dash say that already that yeah. you know it changed the game. But in reality, I think even if it was a you know ten versus ten, I still think Liverpool would have would found a break if it was with five ten minutes ago or you know in added time, whatever. Yeah, I don't necessarily think it changed the game, Theo, because I don't think it would have changed the way Everton approached the game after if he'd have gone. I still think you'd have seen Everton sitting in because that's what they did before, before the sending off and and counter attack Liverpool. But but like Kiefer says, and I think Klopp mentioned it in his press conference afterwards, there was a maturity about the way Liverpool went about their business. They didn't panic, um, and that's what good teams do, isn't it? They 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 continue to play the same way. We see it with Man City a lot, where you know you get to sort of seventy minutes and you think, oh, they might drop some points here, and then they eventually get get the job done. And that is impressive, isn't it, about Liverpool so far? Yes, yeah. it's what Liverpool were lacking last year. That's why they lost that identity. Mm-hmm. They didn't have that ability to grind out the wins, and there was that anxiety there. You get into the final twenty minutes of a game, mm-hmm. you still not scored. You're thinking it could be you get hit on the counter and you're losing. Like we saw it, the Leeds game's probably the memorable one where they get that last minute winner. And it's just Liverpool have got that maturity back in their game. They've got that belief in their abilities. Like we knew how Everton were going to set up. 
If they wanted to cause any damage to Liverpool, it was targeting McAllister and targeting Simicass. And they did a little bit. That's how they got the opening chance. And Simicass is probably lucky not to get a booking at some point in the game. But as soon as Ashley Young gets sent off, they decide five at the back will play for a draw. They take off the wingers. And then even when, if Knott had gone off and it was 10 versus 10, then they bring on the strikers. But they've got no wingers to feed it to him in the first yeah, place. Yeah. So they're still then lumping it along, still having to defend with five at the back. At Liverpool, it was just a game of keep possession, keep the attacks going, and Everton are not a good enough side to keep us out. Even with five defenders as deep as they were, you knew that there was going to be a chance that fell. Like There was a few blocks there, we think, in all Salah, and was it Gravenberch, you know, the ones in quick succession? That could have deflected in rather than go behind for a corner. Might have taken a mistake or a penalty, but there was always that constant belief Liverpool are going to get the goal and they're going to get the win here. It's what they do against Everton. It's what they do at Anfield. And they're just so much better than Everton and so much better than they were last year. Sure. I, was, I often think that Dyche is a good measuring stick of, of where you're at in terms of, you know, I think back to the Klopp's first full season, was it? They went there in August mm. and they had like a ridiculous amount of possession and shots. But lost the game 2-0. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah. I, I remember it, it felt like they frustrated Liverpool, um, obviously during the um, the COVID season when, when Liverpool sort of fell to pieces a bit. They, they lost 1-0, didn't they, to Burnley at home. So, like Theo says, if you look at the way Burnley, Everton played yesterday, uh, on Saturday. Friday is that so, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but, they, but they did play in that style, didn't they? They, they sort of set up to frustrate, set, set up to win, win set pieces against Liverpool. Um, but Liverpool have so much quality, and they, we'll talk about the players that came off the bench later on, but they find different ways to make the breakthrough, and yeah, they got a bit maybe a bit fortunate with the penalty I think I think it was a penalty but I mean in the way that it came about but that's what you have to do don't you? you have to believe that you can sort of chip away and find um, and find and find gaps in these teams The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Definitely and to be honest I actually thought I'm not going to say that, that Evan were, were bold and adventurous in the first half but I actually thought they were trying Something a little bit different than maybe you always see from from Daesh. And maybe it's a hallmark of what they're doing this season. I and mean, we've heard them talk about XG and, and things like that, haven't we? And I think Everton have had a couple of games where they've been hard done by, especially ones at home. But the, I, I thought at times they were kind of... DCR was going up against Van Dijk and obviously that's a tough battle. I thought Virgil van Dijk was arguably Liverpool's man of the match. He was mopping up most in the air. But then it looked to me like the Corey and McNeil were both quite far forward, coming, yeah. coming down the left. And there was a few situations, I'd say there were situations um, on both sides in the first half where Liverpool and Everton would wish they could have their time again. Because there was a few times where Everton, even from open play, but certainly from set pieces or, you know, deep free kick, where it was almost like three on three at times, like them against Liverpool's defence, albeit initially in the air. And if they won, you know, one one flick on, it could have maybe got a little bit hairy to Liverpool. Uh, but then you can obviously flip that the other way, can't you, and say the amount of counter-attacks Liverpool had. I mean, if it was an Everton corner in the first half, it was you were thinking right Liverpool should should be in here almost yeah, you know yeah. it's, it did it almost every corner oh, didn't it yeah, every free kick hundred percent it, it was kind of you know they were committing to getting men forward which was probably the right decision from Dyson Liverpool were very much like ready to, to go weren't they and, and like charged on the other end but I think that the key thing for me first half and just as the game wore on was what Keith referred to before and it was just how cool and composed Liverpool were and I just don't think you saw that anywhere more markedly than the midfield where you know the three lads who. I don't think they've started together before, have I? Not in the Premier League. Not no. in the Prem. And, and certainly, Derby's for Liverpool, or in the case of Sabah's like, you know, he said to Clopton, he's, he's actually never played the Derby before, like, for, for club or country, which, which is a bit mad. But 
in, in that environment, the amount that they kept hold of the ball, how progressive they were with the ball. And I think they were just the dominant figures in the game. You, you think late on, McAllister keeping his head to find Nunes in space, rather than like, you know, so many players would just like boot the ball forward there, wouldn't he? Yeah. Quite aimlessly, would just essentially clear their lines. And he just took that extra breath and was like, I'm going to put this centrally for, for Darwin to run onto. And then, you know, wasn't quite a certain goal. There was a bit to do from there, but it was so good. And in that same moment, Sabozlai was like, it just felt like he was jogging, but he was like, he was bursting forward. Wasn't he ready to like, you know, be part of that move and maybe maybe score himself? And yeah, I, I think I think that was where Liverpool just not not won the game necessarily, but just imposed himself on the yeah, game and, yeah. and, and showed their quality. And, and that's why I just think, you know, as much as it would have been easier for Evan if it was 10 against 10, I don't see where their goal would have come from. Yeah, yeah. You're saying there the set pieces, like Everton going to Anfield set pieces is always going to be the best chance of scoring. If they had actually threatened to do anything from any set piece, yeah. you're feeling a bit more anxious every time they get a free kick or a corner. You're thinking they've got a chance here, but you, the feeling was, as Sean said, Liverpool are about to attack it. This is Liverpool going to have a good chance of scoring when they're putting it on the heads of Tarkowski or Keane. Or it's like that's how little they threatened. Like whatever, I don't know what the XG was for them on Saturday, but they just weren't looking like they were going to challenge anything. Like, did Alisson really have a save to make? Like, simple header straight at him yeah, in that first that. minute. Was key as well is that there was a few early headers. I know Calvert-Lewin gets to one after, you know, 30, 40 seconds, but there was there was one after a couple of minutes, maybe even straight from kickoff or whatever, but Calvert-Lewin and Van Dijk, and I think as soon as like Van Dijk won that first one, you were like, right, you know, you build on that, and, you know, he's kind of got his number already, and, and Calvert-Lewin, as I say, that, that, that ball that goes into the box, you know, after a minute, and... And it's a pretty tame header. I mean, I think Cavalier probably jumps too early for that. Yeah. He doesn't get enough power on it. I but think that's one of them. It's come so early in the yeah, game that you yeah, almost can't believe. Yeah. Yeah. He's but probably I had think... to jump a little bit early because, oh, I've got to get the leap on Van Dijk yeah. as well. Exactly. And that's what, it's just little things like that, little margins that, you know, play, play on players' minds. And, and as Sean says, I thought Van Dijk was brilliant and there's, you know, there's been a lot of talk. And it feels like whenever he plays for Holland, you know, people like to dig him out past and present. But, <laughs> which is, touch, they just seem yeah. to inspire a good sense of Absolutely mad. But, you know, this season, I know he's had the red card and whatnot, but feels like he's really kind of probably not getting back to the best he was because I don't think he will ever kind of reach that big again. But he's certainly, you know, on track to get to the levels he was in in 21, 22 when when Liverpool nearly won it all. So that's you know, it's only going to help Liverpool between now and the end of the season, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it's interesting about Van Dijk though because like people always say that he's he's not going to reach the levels he did four years ago. Well, you know, yeah. he's four years older, so I don't, you know, you know, he he, he wasn't. I think he came to Liverpool, didn't he, later in his career, 27, 28. He was never going to be... He, 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 Liverpool bought him in his prime. So, yeah, of course he's past his best. But if you try an aerial bombardment against Virgil van Dijk, I don't think there's a better header of ball in terms of centre-half in the country. And, and he just dealt with that. That's easy for him, isn't it? It's balls in behind that you sort of worry about. Yeah, he's got all the attributes you want in a sense about like the one thing he lost from the injury was maybe that little bit of pace. Yeah. But he's still not a slouch, is he, by any means? And you look at centre backs, their peaks are this stage of the career. So the injury did knock him a little bit. But you look at say Thiago Silva at Chelsea where he's still firing late thirties. Mm-hmm. Like there's no reason why Van Dyke can't keep going well into his thirties as well. But if you're gonna put it in the air when he's what, six foot five, it's ridiculous. Yeah. He wins everything in the air, he's great on the ball. He reads it so well. He's a leader. That's why um, Jurgen Klopp wanted to spend seventy-five million on him in the first place. And while when he was at that absolute best, completely transforming Liverpool's defence, that was transformative. They'd gone from losing four-one at Spurs, where he had Lovren and uh, Sacco and all the year before, and all this, and it was a mess defensively. 
to put in someone in who could just change it overnight because he actually knew what he was doing. He, he was that step above. He was that level above. People don't rate, I think, enough his leadership abilities because, like you say, it wasn't so much the, the players because all of those players, you know, Lovren, Lovren, uh, Clavan, others like that, Matip, obviously continued playing for it. It's not as if all, they all left, but with someone like Van Dijk alongside them, I still worry for the day they have to take Van Dijk out mm. because who do they find that is anywhere near as good in terms of his organisational skills, his verbal skills. I mean, he's just a really great leader, isn't he, in the back? Well, the big moment he showed that in was when he stopped Trent getting booked. You know, when Trent was proper mouthing off at the referee and he just yanks him back. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, he's got in trouble himself for dissent this season. He got quite a hefty fine. But being able to read the situation that well and take control of it, there's that respect and that aura for him. He's just such a good player. and We are lucky to have seen him at the peak of his powers. And Liverpool shirt, like, he's probably another case of you take him for granted a little yeah, bit definitely. when they're longevity mm-hmm. and because it isn't as eye-catching as it was at the start. Mm-hmm. But it's only then when you do get to this stage of the career where they're a little bit older and they're still doing it, they get that second yeah. win. So, like we're looking at Mohamed Salah and he's been a consistent goal scorer throughout his Liverpool career. But oh, now you're doing it when you're 31, nearly 32, you're probably going to get another 30-goal season. You're going to be second most prolific season in your campaign if he keeps up this run at least. Uh, you just appreciate them more, that little bit more when they're a little bit older and still doing it. Yeah. I think as well, just to jump in, sorry, I think with Van Dijk, you can always tell is is when, you know, he makes people around him better, doesn't he? And I think, yeah. you know, whenever you see Gomez or Matip or even Gomez Canate or, you know, I don't have statistics on how many times they've played, but yeah. they look like strangers when they play next to yeah, each other, yeah. which is obviously few and far between because of, you know, Van Dijk, apart from the, the big injuries had, his, his fitness record has been you know, fairly decent at Liverpool. But whenever I think of the game last year, uh, Wolves to three 0 they lost. Um, I can't remember why Van Dijk must have been. I think he did his hamstring at Brentford. Yeah, he didn't play. And uh, I mean, I don't know if you remember the first goal that day, but it was just like I think Matip and Gomez over the same yeah, ball or something. Yeah. And it was just at the end goal. I think so. And I think Matip booted it to his own net in yeah, the end or something. Yeah. And it was just you know mistake after mistake after mistake. And you can see that yes, his quality is missing, but also Steve has his leadership there, and he makes yeah. people around him better. Yeah. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. It's organisational. I think a back line, Sean, is a, is a delicate balance, or to use a phrase from a show I watched recently, a delicate ecosystem um, at the back. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and, um, and, and Van Dyke makes sure that that, you know, Simicast is a good example, comes into the, into the back four, and there was a lot of worries about him before the game. I thought as the game grew on, Sean, he equipped himself quite well. Obviously, Everton didn't then have wingers in the second half, but there was a fair few fouls he made in the first half, seeing quite a few Everton fans. Comparing yeah. the fouls that he made to Ashley Young, which I thought was, and, yeah. was slightly, slightly odd because they were nowhere near the same types of fouls to, yeah. to get sent off. But but I mean, what did you make of him on Saturday? Obviously, Liverpool are going to go into a period with him for a long time. Um, do, do you think that he equipped himself well? Yeah, I think as the game wore on, he got, he got a bit better. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's, it's ultimately going to lead to... Uh, not really. Um, I, I wouldn't <laughs> mind seeing a bit of a bit of Gomez there. I mean, you know, we ended up seeing uh, Diaz at left back for a while, didn't we? Yeah, Which was, was was an interesting one. I think you're right in that how much Van Dyke kind of marshalling that back line does help everyone else. I mean, he's always just so vocal, isn't he? Like where, where I sit, even in like the biggest and most kind of fervent of atmospheres, you can always hear his voice booming yeah. out, and that that helps someone like Simicast. I'd like to see things mixed up a little bit, and and I'm just trying to think of the games coming up. I suppose the one thing you could say in terms of Simicast is there's probably not a game where you'd really worry about him being there yeah. coming up. You know, like most of them, there's, there's a couple of homes coming up, isn't there? You know, I think playing him in the Europa League is absolutely fine. Um, unless 
because because he might have to play in the league. There's a case to yeah. to play a youngster there, and you know Gomez is getting minutes and opportunities at centre back or slotting in at right back as well. So maybe there's an argument to spare him a bit of that. I, I think as you guys have all you know very well said, him being along Van Dyke will 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 make it okay for for as long as it has to be. But you know it does sound like it'll be a good few months with Robertson out, which which isn't ideal. But I think the fact that Liverpool got through the game with Simakas in there and and it, and it got better just speaks to how again like we've said how how thoughtful and composed they were for this entire game. And I think as well, just that, that general idea of, of growing into the game, I think that was just built into the game plan all along, wasn't it, Leo? Those two subs, Nunes and Elliot coming on after 60, felt, if not entirely predetermined, I think it, you know if it was 0-0, maybe even if it was 1-0 to Liverpool at that point, Klopp still would have done that. And and that's why I just think, it, you know, d- despite the incidents and the way it unfolded, Liverpool were always going to grow into it. And you look across the team and how performances kind of got better. And, and Elliot coming on, with, you know, I thought he was exceptional again. Another great cameo. I think that was always the way the game was going to turn out. Let's talk subs then, because um, I did have it down. I mean, one thing I th- I think has been a theme of this season, Kiefer, is Liverpool's squad is back to a squad where, I mean, he, even Saturday they had a couple of young players on the bench, mm-hmm. but they still had, I mean, Gakpo hopefully isn't far away, but they still had Nunes and Elliot. I mean there'd be other teams that would, would kill for the bench like that to come on and, and they've made they made a difference I mean you could almost count the games this season the, the subs have made a difference in almost every game and obviously in the early part of the season when they were coming back from a goal down seemingly constantly the subs were playing their part I mean that is massive for Liverpool this season isn't it going forward absolutely I mean you know if you look at Man City and what they did last year and the year before, look at how close Liverpool went to winning it all, and a large part of that was was kind of you know in those games on Wednesday and Thursday nights in you know the League Cup, the FA Cup, whatever competition it may be, when you maybe play a second string team. And yes, we're noticing it now, but I think it'll be once you kind of head into that February March period of the season when you know you're really going for it, and you know you're probably balancing on multiple fronts because at the minute Liverpool have got the Europa League, but it's almost like a you know for the first for the for the Premier League team if you want to call it that it's like a distant you know thing and they don't have to worry about it it's not on the forefront of their mind but you know once you get to the you know the, the round of 32 or the round of 16 or so on and so forth then it'll become like right let's go and win it same for the, the League Cup same for the FA Cup so mm-hmm. I think that's when we'll notice it but I think I, I've always been quite critical of, of Klopp's substitutions I've always felt yeah, he's, he's, yeah. he, he leaves them quite late I think I said to Sean earlier that it always felt like he used to do like 70-75 and Obviously now we're seeing lowers of added time, so you've probably got mm. 75 to 65, but previously it felt like, you know, a player would have a touch of the ball and shoot and it'd be like 87, 88, and you know, they've already got themselves yeah. involved, you know, especially in like games when you maybe are looking for someone to flip the switch and do something different and kind of up the tempo. But I think this year has been really assertive and that's because yeah. the competition for places at Liverpool is, is probably at an all time high. Mm. Not only the, the kind of the, the, the amount of players they've got, but the, the quality. Um, and you know, you throw that into that Thiago to, to come back if he ever does. You've got Curtis Jones, who's obviously currently suspended. Um, you've got Gakpo, as you say, uh, Stefan Bessetic as well. So you've got loads of players there and loads of different positions who offer different things. And as I say, the quality is one thing, but I think a lot of credit goes to Klopp for you know for being brave and bold because you know if Liverpool did lose that one 0 which you know it would have felt unlikely at the time. But if they lost, that people would have said maybe you know was he too gung ho or whatever, whatever. But you know, even if you go back, as you say, you know, earlier in the season, you look at all well, the was quite ruthless with McAllister, wasn't he? And and I think that was half time he did Diaz in that game, wasn't it? So you know, he's, he's not messing around, not waiting to see in you know, the first fifteen minutes. I mean, even if you take it all the way back to the first game of the season, the Suns changed the game at Chelsea. I mean, people yeah. forget. I mean, Elias yeah, again. Nunes was a big early. Nunes was a big chance, didn't he? He even took Salah off, didn't he? Yeah, with and, the dope at the end. And Liverpool were were sort of 
on the front foot towards the end of the game. And I think it's been a theme in almost every game this season. Spurs aside, but that's because they had nine mm. men. Um, so. I think that, that quick mention for Man City is a really intriguing one this season because, you know, like, like we just said, I think on an individual game basis, Klopp is planning well. And in this instance, I think obviously international break and it being a half 12 and it being a derby was all factored into who came on when and, and who he saved. But City, I think a few of their title winning seasons have been defined by having someone like mm. a presence who second half of the season thinking like a Mares or a Grealish yeah, yeah. just suddenly out of nowhere has 10 or 12 games you know 8 or 10 goal involvements and just turns the tide for them a little bit but I, I think you you named a few names there Kiefer I think you could, you could probably already start to see candidates who could do that for Liverpool I mean even even Nunes could be that that man couldn't he you know if he if he doesn't always start over the next few few weeks Gakpo certainly Elliot as well you know what I mean look, look how highly trusted he was last season when he he had start after start early on, didn't he? And okay, his role has changed for now, but maybe he's being held back in reserve a bit for like January through to March or whatever. So yeah, it's 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 a squad game and, and it does feel like almost out of nowhere after concerns over the summer. Certainly in the kind of in, in, in terms of the, the, the attacking side of it, the options are just are just massive. I think as well, sorry to jump in, I think it changes so quickly, doesn't it? Because you know, two, three weeks ago before Curtis Jones would get the red gets the red card at Tottenham, everyone's, you know, saying Know, what the, you know, redefined playing, he's going to be changed. His game is really important. And not to say he isn't anymore, but then you look at Graham Birch's performance yeah. on, on Saturday oh, and you're like, well, you can't drop him. But, you you know, you've got so many games yeah. coming up, which is almost like a, you know, a blessing in disguise, really, when, you know, in years gone by, you, you probably don't like it. But the fact that you've got these so kind of lesser games in the Europa League where you can kind of, you know, tweak things and try different things and give the likes of Elliot, who have, you know, really impressed in the yeah. Premier League, but maybe not, maybe not at the starting birth they deserved. And you say, right, you know, there's a... Yeah, go, go and go show me why you should start on, on Sunday against Forest. The number of substitutes committed has changed the game, for Liverpool especially. Mm. Like Klopp isn't a manager who makes changes for the sake of it. He, he wants someone who can make a difference to the game. And that's why he's not giving out token appearances here. Like when you've got those five substitutes you can play with, he can make three and know if someone gets injured or there's a red card, he's still got two up his sleeve so he can react to it. And there is that, that strength and depth in the squad. Like the one game where you think, they're not going to get the win. It was Brighton, not counting Tottenham, because that was a ridiculous yeah. game. And that's because, well, they were losing two of the forwards. Yeah. They'd already taken Elliot off at half-time. They didn't have those game-changing players yeah. they could bring yeah, on true. the bench yeah. in the second half. Whereas every other game, they have had them. And there is that competition for places. Like It is a starting eleven, but when you can make so many changes and still have some up to sleep, you can do it at half-time. It's bigger than that, isn't yeah. it? Like Elliot could be part of the starting eleven as he was for most of last season. Yeah. All five forwards could be all these senior midfielders could be when you've still got a couple of them to come back it is that strong spine there and the youngsters for the start of the season so far they're showing more than a group of youngsters and we've seen for a while like Quance has not looked out of place Dope's showing good glimpses and had good chances mm. and while we might not have seen like much of McConnell or these ones yet they're still knocking on the door and you'd like to think maybe see them Bournemouth or yeah. the Europa League games when they've actually yeah. got through but yeah, it is this step in the right direction. It's Liverpool 2.0, but it's only year one. And there's all these players are going to get older together. Salah might be the wrong stage of it, past 30. Yeah. Van Dijk might be. But the rest of them still got their peak years ahead of them. And it's just going to get stronger for places with new signings. They're all moving together. And when they start to win things together as well. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Yeah, well, they've all had mentioned the players that I want to talk about. I'll start with Salah because because he scored the two goals. Um, Sean, I mean, it's, it's hard really to sort of put into words like how good he is, but he is becoming a player who can have a game, you know, a lot of people said it was a poor game, so I didn't think it was that bad, but you just know with Salah that he will be, he'll come up in decisive moments and 
That's what he does, isn't it? And that's what I, I kind of think that's why I see him as going towards the, the Ronaldo, mm. not quite Messi, but the sort of Ronaldo numbers bracket where he just always, always is decisive, always scores goals. Hundred percent. And and it, it was a strange one, wasn't it? It was almost like one of those games where the, the Jota puts in where. I suppose with Jota, it's often he's not really on the ball, and then suddenly you yeah. scored one, or, yeah. or he's back to brace. Salah did have quite a lot of the ball first half. Like where where we sit is lower centre, we pretty much on the halfway line, so we had quite a good view of the Salah Mikalenko battle, um, mm. which was unfolding in the first half. And you know, initially I was thinking, oh, Salah's not getting a lot of change out of him here, but not just to deny credit to a player of the opposition, but I just um, I don't think it was like a case of Mikalenko suddenly raising his level and kind of having Salah in his pocket. I just think. Quite a few times, Salah just took the wrong option, didn't he? And tried to run down a bit of a blind alley, or it wasn't the best ball into him, or it was always a bit of a loose touch. So, on on that basis, I'm not surprised that he eventually, you know, became the defining figure in the game and, and, and got the two goals. But it's like you were saying before about Van Dyke, uh, you you write these guys off at your absolute peril, don't you? Like, you know, like football loves to write someone off, though. Oh, uh, yeah, those loves those to go. Finished, you know, yeah, like, yeah, and, and, yeah. And and I just don't. I think with Salah, the the, the key thing with him is. And you see it this season, and the amount of assists, and the, the variety of how he will fashion one of those assists, whether it's you know outside of the boots, it's it's all sorts. Obviously, it's his pace that's a massive part of what makes him so good. But his his technical range, I, I think it's up there with like a Trent or a Thiago of what he can make the ball do. You know, with with his left foot, obviously, inside or outside of it, and that's why I just think he's not like uh, an, an Owen or someone who when his like when his pace goes, yeah. there'll be nothing left. You know, like, there absolutely will be a lot left, and you know. We've done stuff on this before. We mentioned a few seasons ago. Perhaps thinking it would happen earlier. Does he? Does he eventually come inside and like play behind the striker or, or behind two strikers? And that's, that's where you can possible. compare him to Messi. Well, well, this is it. Yeah, it's it's. I think it's a comparison that ultimately won't be won't be spurious. Yeah, I don't watch Salah and think that this is a player who just uses his pace. Mm-hmm. You know, he, he, he just gets himself into great positions, doesn't he? You know, he he's he's very. Physically strong, isn't he? So oh, it's not just pieces. It's more about the way he shields the part ball. Part of it's how teams play against Liverpool as well. Like yeah. you think when it first started, seventeen, yeah. eighteen, teams were high. They had yeah. left all that yeah. space in behind. Yeah. Liverpool getting behind. They've got all that pit spa- yeah. space on the pitch to run into. Teams don't do that against yeah. Liverpool anymore. So you've got to be smarter on the ball, create your own spaces. And this is when we've seen his dribbling ability. It's yeah. amazing how he can just drop a shoulder, beat through. Like we've not yeah. seen him score too many from it this year because yeah. teams are putting two defenders on him but the one he scored in Austria against Lask that was yeah. that sort of dribbling ability and he has got the eye for a parcel creating a chance out of nothing yeah, there's one he... on sorry Jay, there's one on uh, some Saturday sorry where I think I think it was an Everton corner or free kick and uh, Alisson like pings the ball out and it, I don't know if it was Tarkowski or who, who it was but someone was like right up his back and he just touches it on his thigh like yeah. cushioned it and then like played the ball off yeah. the spot however it was and it's like yeah. You know, for most players, that'll be a highlight reel on Instagram. You know, that'll yeah, be, yeah. they'll probably get like a Sky Sports documentary or a Netflix <laughs> inside series. But just for Sally, you kind of, you know, as, as you both say, you, you look at him and you think, this isn't a player slowing down or getting to the end of his no. game or, you know, losing his key traits. And I think because he's such a, you know, such an athlete in terms of like his, his physical presence and, and how he is like, you know, pace wise, I think his, his technical ability does get overlooked and his intelligence. Yeah. And just to, I know he didn't have a great game on Saturday by his standards, but. Just some of the positions he does try to pick up, and like where yeah. he drops inside, and you know Trent go the outside. He is, he isn't a player who, I mean, there's always that famous clip was he when when he joined, and there was you know some Syria reporter saying that like he runs with his head down, he yeah. you know whatever. But he's such an intelligent player. And I think that that genuinely does get overlooked. Yeah, mm. yeah, I agree. He's, he's basically an outball, isn't he? At times, which yeah. given his size, given he's not he's not going to like you know stand up to a centre back and beat them in the air, but 
if you ping it at him, he can hold the man off and bring it down <coughs> on his chest, which is, is remarkable, really, yeah. isn't it? You know, there's not many wingers you can say I'm have that in their does his little celebrations where he takes his shirt off. There's not any fat on oh, him. He's no, 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 strong as. Yeah. I mean, that, that's it. He's, he's an outballer. He's not an outballer over the top, is he, as much now, you know? It, and I think Theo's right. You know, you remember that first season. How many goals did he score where... He he found a bit of space, ran from the the right hand side, yeah. and then placed it across the goalkeeper with his left. I always remember the, the City game when they lost five 0 and before Mane was sent off. Yeah, off to Mendy. He had so many ta- chances there, but <coughs> as you say, teams don't really do that anymore. So instead of being in behind, he's now controlling the ball with his back to the goal. And I think Liverpool play better with him in the team. And I know that might sound an obvious thing to say, but I mean in terms of they function better, yeah. and they're not just more dangerous to have him it's just the way that they, they function and when you take him out of the team and when he gets substituted off they often don't look as good or as cohesive a unit um, and I think that's one of the, the remarkable things about Salah I think as well the, the, the new lads in midfield really help because when he is doing the opposite run now where he is coming in mm. field you've got the two lads yeah, the two eights yeah. bombing the other side so it's like you know the, the, as a centre half you've got the decision of right do I go with you know Sir Bosley who's making yeah. that run or Trent or yeah. whoever or do I stick with Salah yeah. and if and you know if you go with Sir Bosley then Salah's turning and he's putting his foot yeah. on the ball and he's picking it out you know whoever's on the left whether that be Diaz, Jota, Gakpo whoever yeah. so he's just as you say you, you really can't win with him because whichever decision you you, you do make it's yeah. probably going to look like the wrong one yeah yeah but that, that's another reason I'm coming to the next play I want to talk about I think Nunes like you say is, is taking up one of those roles or sort of runs beyond or, or runs with the ball and, and lets Salah sort of do the technical stuff and obviously he creates the the, the second goal Theo but I mean <laughs> we're in the office and obviously we're, we're we're working the game from the office and one of the guys again I won't name him but doesn't support Liverpool was quite was quite um I was just quite sneering about him, you know, he came on and he was like, oh, people forget he's, he's an 80 million player. And, and, I, and I really like Nunes because I think Liverpool just look more, more dangerous when he's in the team. And when he came on, I just thought every single time he's involved, you think something might happen and you think that Everton might be opened up and suddenly their players can't just sit. They have to follow runs, they have to stop dribbles, they have to watch, watch that runs over their shoulder. And of course, when he gets the ball and breaks... I think he doesn't get credit because people just look at the, the goal stats when, you, when you're that expensive. People don't just look at the goal stats. But, I mean, he makes that run. It's such a good pass. And it was actually, they scored almost the identical goal against Everton last year, didn't they, with Salah. But it, it was a really good pass. It, it, it puts it on a plate for Salah. I still think this this guy just doesn't get the credit he deserves. No, he doesn't. Last year, there would have been moments where he goes alone, his head's yeah, down, yeah. and he just shoots, and it goes miles wide, or he's blocked, mm. or he just messes up the pass. But he's playing with confidence now, and he's mm. certainly looking a lot mature as a player yeah. than he did a few months ago. And he, he's just a centre-forward as a defender you'd hate to play against. Mm. The same as strikers always say they hate to play against Van Dijk because he ticks everything, he's got everything. Nunes has got everything, he's got the power, he's got that pace. You just can't stop him. Like we're all that age where we remember how Didier Drogba absolutely tormented Liverpool yeah. season after season. And while I'm not saying identical players, they had that combination of pace and power. Yeah. Where well, if you go tight to him, you can just still chest it down, bring the midfielders in, or he can turn you and just go alone. He's such a good player to have those abilities. And while he's not ever going to be Erling Haaland, Mr. Robot, no. he's still going to score a lot of goals cause chaos and make things happen but it's not unorganised chaos this year there's always a method to what he's doing defenders when he gets that run in the team and he is scoring more goals it'll maybe get the recognition because they'll be certainly looking at him fearing him if he's getting past you he's through on goal 
and now when he's got the final ball in his locker and he's getting these passes on to Salah like, he's got so many assists from already this yeah, year yeah. it's looking like such a good partnership like, if he hadn't had the cramp he hadn't had the international game he probably starts against Everton and he would have thrived like even before or after the red card when the crosses are coming in you know there's no Everton players on those wings he is the player you want jostling with those big centre-backs trying to compete for those headers so you're just waiting for him to get a consistent run of the team and make sure it's not just Salah who's the only one who starts every week Nunes is as well The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo Anything you boys want to say on Nunes before? I, I think Theo's absolutely nailed it in, in the, the change from last season to this like last season it felt like he was you know an agent of chaos outside the system um, a, bit, a little bit like when Diaz first came it was like he's kind of his own man but it's working we'll let him get on with it a bit but eventually that has to be within the system and he has to absorb it a bit more tactically. And he's massively done that. Yeah. I mean, I think not only is his kind of expected goals, expected assists, I mean, even last season in a small sample size, it, it's very high. You know, he's right up there with like Haaland and Salah. You know, it, it, it's not that saying that. Um, but I think it's the, it's that idea that, you know, Klopp referenced quite a lot about the, the press and the defender from the front. When he's when he's really bought into that and absorbed it, that's when he started my team. And, and, and that's where he is. That's what he deserves now. And, and you see it in... You see it in every game this season. I think, like whether it's a small cameo or it has been a start, he's offered something. He hasn't looked out of place, and and now as well, the other sign is like the, the partnerships are going on. They're like him and Salah. I've got one mate who, who he bangs on about Liverpool should be playing four four two, and you know that's that's your next partnership up front. Those two, and I don't think it's that daft. Is it? They, they play together so well and lethal on the break. And and the thing as well now is with, with the guys in behind, whether it's you know Jones and Sabosli, arguably the first choice. Um, kind of two two number eight side of the pitch. Those behind Nunes make his job so much easier. Mm-hmm. You know, Liverpool can kind of camp high up the pitch because of what Jones does. There's all sorts of different ways into Nunes because of the likes of McAllister and Sabosla behind him. So I think he's caught up with the system and the system's being built around him better. Uh, final player I want to talk about, Graben Birch. Kiefer, you mentioned it before, so you may as well build on that. I mean, it was a really promising performance. I mean, he, he's looked good in flashes, I think, every single time we've seen him so far. But I thought this was, this was him bringing it together a bit more. Absolutely. I mean, even before against Brighton a few weeks ago, I thought it was really good. But mm-hmm. misses that chance, so everyone kind of remembers yeah, that. Yeah. And bit like, oh, that probably takes his performance a little bit. But, I mean, first of all, probably a, a bit fortunate that Jones, obviously, has got the suspension, as I said earlier. But, you know, you can just slot someone else into the team. And I thought it was brilliant. And the thing that I really liked about him is that there was loads of, I think we said it before, Joe, that there was loads of Wijnaldum comparisons, yeah, which maybe yeah. felt a bit lazy at the time. But the thing you remind, remind me about is he, he, he is like a Swiss Army knife in terms of, like, any type of any type of ball that got popped into him, whether it be you know up on his chest, up in the air, you know, up on, you know on the half turn, on the, you know, with his back to goal completely, he just he just handled it and his touch was immaculate. And and the, the really good thing I liked about it was one touch and then go. You know, you kind of brought Liverpool up the pitch in in moments where, especially in the first half, where a twelve thirty kickoff at Anfield after the international break, you know, some people might be a bit guilty of going backwards and then you know, being a bit patient, but Liverpool just really. Especially with a team like Everton, who are going to try and you know, take the mick and waste time a bit, I think it's really important that you, you, you know you're recycling the ball well and, and not letting it go out of play and, and, and kind of being direct and when, when you've got possession. But yeah, he was brilliant and he kind of just epitomised that. And I saw something earlier. I think he only misplaced one pass, yeah. which is just which is just madness. Yeah. In a game like that, in you know, such a high stakes game where 
you know, tempers are flaring and he's got the potential to spill over a bit. I just thought he was really good. I and mean, what is he, 21 still? 21, 22? I mean, yeah. brilliant. I mean, at what, 34 million initially, what, what the fee was it? He looks a steal. And, yeah. you know, mm -hmm. I think maybe people were a bit skeptical that Bayern Munich were perhaps letting him go. And, you know, if he's not getting the game for Bayern Munich in, you know, a one team league, well, what's he going to do at Liverpool? And I think, you know, you're looking now, he's been here, what, two or three months. The signs are, you know, really, really good. And he's, he's only going to improve on that and build on that when he. When he builds up relationships with Sabozlai and and I said to one of your mates on Saturday, imagine if you put, you know, no disrespect to to Endo or, or McAllister, but if you put like a, a say a Fabinho of twenty nineteen in that midfield at the base, and you had whichever midfield, whichever number eight pair you wanted to pick, I mean, you'd do well to name a better midfield in the league than that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just it is really exciting, and it feels like, you know, Sabozlai's obviously hit the ground running. Okay, McAllister probably hasn't, but just because of the position he's in. But like I say, if you add a number six into that kind of concoction, it is really, really exciting for Liverpool. And, and like I say, with grabbing bit from McAllister, I suppose I will, what, under 23, you know, the future, that's the midfield for, you know, seven, eight years if they play it right. Swiss Army Knife is the most useful thing yeah. that is useless, isn't it? Has anyone got one? Does it, I do. do. Do you use it? Trade. Not used to it. You're not, unless you're in the Swiss Army, <laughs> don't really. I mean, you get them in like, I don't know, Christmas cracker, don't you? Anyway, I got one um, for my birthday just because. You got your Swiss Army knife. You're still friends with this person. Lizzie got me one. It wasn't the only <laughs> present. Exactly. Exactly. You girlfriend, don't you? Well, I didn't know what to ask for, so I don't have one of those. I'd be glad I didn't call him a Rolls Royce. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind a Rolls Royce, but a Swiss Army knife, I wouldn't find useful. I mean, I hope Lizzie's presence have improved since then. Well, she did take me to Egypt, didn't she? A few months okay, before that, and that's slightly that. better. I forget <laughs> the Swiss Army knife. Um, right. Well, really quickly then, before we finish off, I think we should look ahead to the next. Europa League game field because it would be one Liverpool won't want to lose um, yep. yeah. um, I was so tempted to just interrupt you and get it in first yeah, yeah. <laughs> I would add it too if I can't make those jokes I can't make it was going so well as well wasn't it <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and someone started drilling outside as well so that's rude but anyway quickly changing the team wholesale changes um, pretty much um, yeah why not it works yeah. for Liverpool so yeah. far in the Europa League. Um, you've got enough depth there, and you've got enough players in that squad that you want to see start games and get opportunities. Yeah. So let's let's name a team then quickly. I'll stick with you. You're back four. Uh, well, obviously Callers in goal. Back four: Gomez, right back, Matip and Quanza, and then Simakas can start just because I didn't think he was great against Everton, and I think he needs a run of games to build some yeah. rhythm consistently. You hope he performs and gets himself into form. So that would be my four. Yeah, go along with that. Yeah, same as me. Uh, same as Theo, sorry. Um, Simicast was maybe the one you could change, but I think it'd be counterproductive to put him in and then take yeah, him straight yeah, out. Yeah. I think Bournemouth probably next week, you're looking at one of the young lads, yeah, whether that yeah. be Luke Chambers or Carl Scanlon to maybe put in. But I just think, I think on Saturday, it was quite noticeable that some of the relationships weren't there. You know, so with Van Dijk, I thought Alisson kind of was quite hesitant in giving it to Simicast. Yeah. So, you know, if he can kind of, I know Alisson won't be playing, but, you know, kind of receiving the ball for goalkeeper again and yeah. getting used to those patterns, it's sort of going to benefit Liverpool, isn't it? Sean, clean sweep? Or? Uh, yeah, I think so. I'm, I initially was going to say I'm not sure Simicast starts three in a week, but this is the one I would definitely start him in, and then you've got the option of Gomez maybe coming left if you need him on Sunday. Okay. Um, sticking with you, Sean, then your midfield. I think this is difficult, but um, Endo, I would say, definitely gets a go yeah. this time. Um, and then it's just a case of who you stick with. Endo, I'd probably go Endo, Elliot, Grabenberch. Yeah, keeper. I go Endo, Elliot, and Jones. Uh, I, yeah. I know. Jones and Elliot, we don't normally see them together. Is back for the weekend, or is it back? No, he's no, got so one more day back for Bournemouth. Yeah, yeah. But just purely for that, to yeah. kind of keep him in this rhythm. He played the USG game, he started that, didn't he? So, yeah. you know, just to kind of make sure he's... Because he's had such a good start to the season, it'd be a shame to kind of put, you know, keep him on the shelf. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm the same, Joe. Part of me would like to see Gravenberch given another start because he's one of those exciting players you want to see play. Yeah. But you can't have a month where Curtis Jones doesn't start football matches. Curtis yeah. Jones has to come in. Elliot deserves a start and we just want to see more of Endo as holding midfielder, don't we? Yeah, agreed. I mean, one thought on Endo is, I, I, was, I, I suppose the Japan thing has thrown that, you know, because he played away, didn't he, with Japan for a couple of games. But I did wonder after this international break whether we'd start seeing more of him. And I think if we don't, that to me now is a hint that perhaps he's not really ever going to be sort of. Well, we know the links off. with Andre in January, yeah, so it's maybe yeah. it was just a stopgap for yeah. six months. You, you won't sound at a profit, but it's yeah. not exactly a big loss for a player that age. It's quite telling player. as well, McAllister, that you know, that yeah. he played after the, the international break yeah. he had last time. Mm. You know, that it was perhaps yeah. a bit of a risk. I mean, if, if McAllister had dropped another stinker again, you're probably looking at thinking, well, that's two international breaks in a row. Yeah. I know they charted a plane this time, did things a bit differently, yeah. but. You know, if you're looking at it in terms of destinations and, and kind of longevity around the globe, you'd probably favour Endo to go straight in. But as you say, it's probably a bit of a hint that... Well, Endo gets yeah. the extra day, doesn't it? Because yeah. he's coming from yeah. that side rather yeah. than South America. Yeah. Um, forward line, Theo. Shame Doak has picked yeah. an injury. No Doak. Uh, Salah starts because... Yeah. yeah, he's captain then, isn't he? Because he's the yeah. only one of the, the leadership group. So mm-hmm. that would mean a lot to him, being a captain for the day. And I've got Elliot in the midfield. Yeah. But if I want to put Gravenberch in, Elliot would take that. Nunes up front... And then let's put Gapper on the left. Let's let him feel his way back in. Uh, yeah. And then just take him off at half time. That's assuming he's, he's going to be back, isn't he, Gapper? Because obviously he, he, trained, he did train he last just, week. I think he only had one day training. Yeah. So obviously we've got yeah. open training Wednesday. You'd like to think he gets a couple of sessions in this week. Yeah, keep it. Uh, Salah, uh, and then I'll kind of, if Gapper's fit, I'd start him down the middle and then turn as I'm the left. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to put Jones in my front line partly because I forgot to put him in my midfield. <laughs> I can um, tell you can't go back. Yeah, no, you're not, no, no, no. I'm, you're not I'm giving gonna, your team sheets I'm going to go with it. I'm going yeah. to roll you the dice. You've got out really well. Yeah, yeah. no, he's, he's going there and he, he's got a license to have a bit of fun and, you know, <laughs> take a crack on him from the left. Um, I, I just, I don't know about Gakpo, I suppose, you know, if, he, if he's ready, then he should play. But I'll go, I'll be cautious and I'll go Jones, Nunes and Jota on the right. Okay, uh, quick prediction. Does anyone think they're going to... Win. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean every every home game's been a win so far this season, hasn't it? And at least two or three goals. I'll go. I'll go three one. The, the, the traditional scoreline. Yeah. Two 0 Two 0 Two 0 Two 0 Yeah, two 0 Good. Right, we'll leave it there. We'll be back on Friday uh, to discuss Toulouse and to look ahead to Nottingham Forest on Sunday. See you then. Bye. You've been listening to the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo. 